1: Welcome in to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. We are happy to have you with us as we talk about managing your wealth and working toward retirement or financial independence or however you would like to look at it. Aptus Wealth Management is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, a little bit north of the 270 23 interchange and they would love to meet with you for a free consultation as you work toward retirement you can set up your appointment by calling aptus at 614-917-1040 or you can set up your appointment online by going to their website aptus wealth management aptuswealth.com a-p-t-u-s aptuswealth.com josh welcome in and we had a typical volatile week sometimes they're up sometimes they're down this week the market wasn't very good early on in the week and then I see right now it says that the stock indexes are up today and may even gain on the week but uh the volatility that we've had for a while looks like we're going to have it for quite some time more.
2: Yeah, I mean we're still pointing towards uncertainty and I think you know we got we talked a little bit on the Monday show about uh you know the PCE being released and how you know we measure inflation a little bit different and we saw a tremendous amount of volatility on Friday. And I think that's kind of carrying through to the week and kind of remind people, you know, what the PCE is. It's a different way of measuring inflation. Mm -hmm. So we typically think of inflation measurement with CPI, which simply tracks what does stuff cost. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily tell the whole story because let's say, you know, in your household, the price of beef goes up. You might modify your behavior and start buying less beef. Or if the price of gas goes up at the pump, you might drive a little bit less uh, than you would in the past. However, what the PCE measures effectively is what percentage of people's income is being used for things that they can't outrun. So, think of you know utility costs, fuel at the pump, etc. If you know inflation was ten percent, but everybody's making thirty percent more than they were before, then inflation really isn't a big deal. Sure, but if in, if you're spending more as a percentage of your income on things you can't outrun, then that leaves less disposable income. So, what happens to the market when that occurs? well it tells us two things one the fed probably isn't done raising interest rates to get inflation under control and then two people may not have as much money to buy all that extra stuff that they want to buy
1: yeah and as it concerns saving for retirement you know people a lot of times look at that as an optional thing and we have talked about the necessity of planning for retirement the aptus retirement blueprint it is a plan and you have to be disciplined and you have to work the plan and we'll get into more of that as the show progresses. But I wanted to talk a little bit about some trends that I see out there in current events that to me don't make sense. Maybe they can make some sense to you. I note here in a story, they always have the president's approval ratings and his approval ranges, you know, on the economy, foreign policy, this, that, and the other. His approval rating on the economy is at 34 percent. And we don't need to get into the rest of the Different categories, But what I find interesting is that it is significantly below his approval rating overall, which is at 42 percent. So if his approval on the economy is at 34 percent, his overall approval is at 42, then I would think I would see numbers elsewhere that would match up with that president's approval rating on the economy, 32 percent. The economy must be terrible. But when you look at consumer spending, it's up. And it's not only up, it was up 3% in January, which is the highest that it's been up in a single month in more than two years. So I'm trying to make sense of this. Like people are not happy with the president on the economy, but their spending looks to me like they're pretty confident. They're spending money. What does that tell you, if anything?
2: Well, I mean, everything that I'm about to say is pretty anecdotal, right? We don't know the reason for right. that. Right. No, we but, don't. We're guessing. But we could hypothesize on some things. You know, you could argue very easily that people are just undisciplined with their spending, right? That would be an, an That's easy... where I go. That's okay. where I go. And and what could be some logic there? Well, for the last few years, we've been dealing with a pandemic. People have been very gun-shy. They've kind of batten down the hatches, tried to build up the war chest. And now, supply chain's starting to ease up. We can go buy all those things, do all those things that we want to do that we haven't been able to do for a few years. So maybe... It's just kind of a backlog in the system that's finally spitting its way out the other side. That would be the ideal scenario. The other scenario could arguably be that you know people are just making some pretty bad decisions, yeah, uh, and you know one of the unfortunate realities of a capitalistic society is there creates a divide between people who do the right things and people who don't do the right things, people who end up with all the money and people that don't have a lot of money, and hopefully that this is not an indication of You know, even though we know that things are bad, it's people throwing in the towel and saying, well, you know, they don't put lug tracks on Hertz's uh, anymore. So I'm just going to
1: spend the money while I got it and uh, future be darned. Josh, pick Bruce Hooley with you, the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Aptus ready to meet with you for a free consultation. My wife and I have sat for it. We gained peace of mind from it. We're now Aptus clients, but there's no pressure. The consultation is free. You'll learn a lot about uh, your personal risk tolerance. And maybe it's different from your wife's. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's different from your husband's. Maybe it's not. But it's a good time to have that conversation and to get a plan. Aptus Wealth Management located in Lewis Center. They do service a lot of their clients remotely, so you don't have to live in the area to be a client of Aptus. You can set up your consultation by making your appointment on the phone. Call the office 614-917-1040. Or you can set up your appointment online at AptusWealth, A-P-T-U-S, com. While you're there, Become a subscriber to Josh's YouTube channel, where he posts content in small doses, easy for you to understand, share with your friends, go over these concepts, and learn them for yourself. You know, we had eight rate hikes by the Fed in 2022, and I think people thought when we got the quarter percent rate hike at the last meeting, that was significantly less than the, what, four straight three-quarter of a point hikes we had, that maybe they were done hiking it, but the jobs report and the unemployment and all these numbers suggest according to the experts, I'm certainly not an expert in this, that there might be more rate hikes to come. Mortgage rates are already at like 6.6%. That's a new world for a lot of people who grew up on mortgage rates under 2% or around 2%. And if your mortgage is 6.6%, well, all of a sudden now you're committing 100 bucks, another 200 bucks, 300 bucks to your mortgage every month, which goes back to what you were talking about in your opening comment about having less money for those things that you got to have. you got to have gas. you got to have food. you got to have those necessities.
2: Yeah, and I don't think that this trend is going to stop anytime soon. If you look through a historical, a historical perspective, which is all that we have, you look back to the 70s and 80s. We hear this a lot on the news. Well, this looks very reminiscent of the 70s and 80s. And are we going to head back to these 20% rates like we had back during that time? And I don't think we will, but we've also discussed repetitively this idea of a soft landing. Are we going to be able to come in for a soft landing? And what they mean by that is we can raise rates to a certain threshold before it kind of tips the scales. And the economy in general feels the brunt of that. And that's where we're always trying to push off what we hear in in the way of a recession. But you can't always come in for a soft landing. It's not up to us. Mm -hmm. It's up to what can the market bear. Right. And we've been trying to aggressively raise rates to thwart off inflation. We got some good numbers, but now we're getting some negative numbers again that maybe we're not through the woods. So it's going to be a very difficult balancing act over the next several months, year of trying to steadily bring that inflation rate down without knocking Humpty Dumpty off the wall and watching us fall into a deep recession.
1: Well, and to that point, uh, here's a story from the Associated Press last Friday. They say tighter credit can weaken the economy and cause a recession. Makes sense. Things cost more. The mortgage rates, your car loan rates, all that. Here's the sentence that jumped off the page at me. Economic research finds that the Fed has never managed to reduce inflation from the high levels it has recently reached without causing a recession. That old adage, no pain, no gain. Um, If you want inflation to go back down to the target rate of 2%, Uh, We hear a lot about a soft landing, but it doesn't appear like we have a historical perspective of that, and we may have to go through a period of pain before we get the numbers where we want them and and need them to be because we can't afford inflation to go up 6% month over month, year over year. It's climbing when you add up two years in a row, like you're up 12% from January of 2023 to January of 2021.
2: Well, I think we've put ourselves in this situation. This is a natural byproduct of printing money, right? And you know it's funny, all the financial experts warned that if you just print money and give away money, it causes a problem in the long run. it always has, and yet our leaders are telling us that's not the case uh, that we'll be just fine. I think you know from my perspective and where I can maybe lend some uh, lend some clarity is what should you do in the event that we are in fact heading for an inflation? Does that mean that just all is lost and uh, looks like we're going to be waiting in bread lines or something like that. I mean, I don't think we're, we're heading that far. But I think as it steers for those people who have been disciplined, who have done the right things or are getting disciplined and starting to do the right things to make sure that they have a, a positive outlook for their future when they want to reach this period of financial independence and not have to uh, be forced to work anymore. You know, what do you do with those hard earned dollars that you're saving? It does not mean you take all of your money out of the market. And knee-jerk reacted over to, let's say, CDs, which can be very enticing today. I saw CDs for the first time hit that 5% mark this week. Um, that can be very enticing, particularly when you've experienced not great returns probably over mm-hmm. the last 12 months. Yeah. But there are certain areas of the market. Have you ever heard that that old adage, you know, it's a bull market somewhere? Uh, there are areas of the market where there's money to be made. Let's look at last year, for example. Energy was up 66%, while communications was down 40 There's a pretty stark contrast. Uh, so if you had a tactical allocation model that pointed you towards the energy stocks during that time, you probably were pretty happy. But as you start looking towards a recession, there are asset classes that typically favor better than others, and there are ways to buffer any potential loss, which we've talked about many times on yes. the show. So yes. the point is, you know, keep – plugging forward, keep learning, keep doing things, but don't get frozen in the headlights and do nothing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, taking your ball and going home, uh, you might think it makes you feel safer, and it might alleviate your exposure to the volatility, but you're still falling behind. (laughs) You might be falling behind, quite possibly are falling behind at a greater rate than if you'd stayed in just made some kind of an adjustment, and I know you guys specialize in that at Aptus. We've gone over that. We're going to go over more of that. Set up your free consultation with Josh and his team by calling Aptus Wealth Management, 614-917-1040. Listen to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show, Friday nights at 7, Saturday afternoon, the replay at noon. You can also make your appointment for your consultation by setting that up online, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. You might not be the right source to go to on this. We were talking about the consumer spending up, yet the approval rating of the president down on the economy. And we ventured, I ventured to guess that that might be indicative of our lack of discipline on spending and our lack of kind of like realizing the economic reality that, uh uh-oh, I really can't afford to keep spending, but credit cards kind of induce us to do that. The reason I say you might not be the best authority on this is because the people you're dealing with, they are clients, they are people who are planning for retirement. My my general question is your long view of discipline over the years and people saving for retirement, because we've talked many times about how the classic way people prepared for retirement in my parents' era was, oh, you work at a factory for 40 years, you get a pension, you get to retirement, you've got your pension, you got Social Security, you're good to go. Those are things. Pensions are going away. I've got some numbers here about Ohio's public pensions took a huge bath in 2022. So pension's not reliable, but fold that into a conversation about what you notice about saving discipline, working toward retirement and managing your wealth and having a plan for getting there.
2: I think we all have an opinion, particularly I think as we get older, we always say that our generation was the best and all the subsequent generations are getting worse. But statistically speaking, let's start with the pensions generations before us Mm -hmm. about nine out of ten people had pensions statistically fast forward from 1991 even until today and that number drops to about one in ten and because of that there was an inherent if you want to call it this lack of discipline i'm not calling people in that previous generation undisciplined but what i'm saying is they didn't have to be disciplined because they had all of this other stuff
1: yeah it was built in i mean they it was it was taken care of for them. Absolutely. Well, it takes uh,
2: several generations for that to kind of catch up to, to gain that discipline. What I'm seeing is that the younger generations, believe it or not, are actually saving at a higher clip than you might think. Hmm. Higher clip than maybe your are generation, for example. However, uh, the other thing that I'm seeing is that the lack of discipline in those generations comes to the investment strategy. So we shifted from we have pensions to we need to build our 401k of a well-diversified portfolio of logical long-term track record investments mm-hmm. to fast forward to the new generation today, and we're doing Reddit buys, going off of cryptocurrency, yep. buying NFTs. Uh, and, you know, what we're seeing statistically is amongst that generation, volatility almost has a more dramatic impact in their poor decision-making than it did before. So I think the lack of discipline
1: isn't in the savings, it's in the strategy. You know, it's so funny. I mean, I'm just drawing a personal assumption from that. I go out and I uh, sit down around people of varying ages at another endeavor that I'm engaged in, and it's interesting to me to observe how people pass the time waiting for whatever they're there for, you know, like let's say they're at a basketball game and some people are sitting there, they're reading something on their phone and then their younger generation is sitting and they're playing video games on their phones. Mm-hmm. And that instant gratification thing, that wow factor of you're playing a game and there's stuff exploding at you and all that folds into what you just said about I'm investing, I'm disciplined, I made the right decision there, but maybe some of the decisions I'm making are not the most prudent decisions because I'm looking for the big bang, the big wow, the instant, like, tenfold increase in my money. And those are kind of those meme stocks and some of those things that we've talked about before.
2: Well, if you look at statistics, you know, the younger generation has more access to information than any generation prior. And I'm kind of getting over my skis a little bit here because I'm a financial guy and I shouldn't be talking about the changing (laughs) demographic of of culture. But while we have an overabundance of information, I would say that we might be losing some of our deciphering abilities. Mm. So where are people getting their information? while they're sitting and watching that basketball or waiting for that basketball Mm -hmm. game to be played they're watching social media influencers say i made nine trillion dollars off of nfts last week and i started with a nickel so you know they start to get this very romantic feeling that i too could be wealthy by tomorrow morning as long as i'm willing to take this what seems to be a reasonable risk which is actually an unreasonable risk um and I, i fear that they're gonna end up with a pattern of I was really disciplined I did all the right things and it didn't work for me so throw my hands up in there and I'm not doing it anymore well are they better off that they start in their 20s when now they didn't they have nothing to show for it by the time they're 40 that's my concern
1: yeah and I think it's a very legitimate concern and I can kinda of put myself in that position and that's the reason why I am a big advocate of of people not just making the decision to invest and save But doing it with a fiduciary like you, like Aptus Wealth Management, where you're legally bound to do what's in the best interest of your client, you can set up your free consultation, get to know Josh, get to know his team, see what your comfort level is with them, their comfort level with you. My wife and I did it, and it just gave us so much peace of mind to have somebody who we know is monitoring this stuff and has an accomplished track record to be on the case on our behalf. That peace of mind to us is invaluable. Can't put a price on it. If you get there, great, but at least have the conversation. 614-917-1040, aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And I say that and people might say, oh, you're just trying to get us in there to be a client. I'm really not because I think, aren't there numbers out there that show that you can benefit just from having the conversation and getting enlightened on it, even if you don't become a client of whoever you're meeting with? That's a great question. So I I got some stats. I thought this might
2: come up today. This was really shocking to me, quite frankly. People are 10 times more likely to open a retirement account within one month
1: after meeting with a financial advisor, whether they work with them or not. Wow. 10 times more likely to open one, whether they become a client or not. Amongst the
2: ones who did open an account or have an account, they saved on average five times more money to that account than they were prior to meeting with the financial advisor. So discipline goes up by five times. The actual action where the rubber meets the road, because we all talk about it, right? Well, you know what I need to start doing? I need to start going to a gym. Well, I assure you that gyms are in business because 90% of the people don't actually use the membership to go there. Very true. So we know what we need to do but do we actually do it? Well, it turns out the statistics would show us that just by simply having the conversation, it turns out to be very good. Now, one of my retorts might be, or one of your retorts might be, well, yeah, I mean, if you have the money to save, or if you're a sophisticated investor, maybe this is the impetus to kind of give you that nudge over the hill. Reality is it doesn't matter to the education level or to the income level. The stats are the same. Hmm. So here's another, uh, this is the really crazy thing. For the ones who don't do anything, according to the Federal we use these numbers all the time, you know, what's the average uh, retirement portfolio mm-hmm. having it? This was one I did not know. According to the Federal Reserve, households in the bottom 25% have a median retirement account savings in total family 4700 bucks.
1: Oh Go over that again in the in the lower what in the so, me- lower twenty five percent.
2: Yeah, oftentimes we think about well these these people are rich they got a bazillion dollars yeah. and then the median which is about a hundred and thirty hundred and forty thousand, but then let's take the median out and say the lower twenty the lowest twenty five percent of wage earners in the United States their average retirement account by family, according to the Federal Reserve, is forty seven hundred bucks. So that points to what is their plan? Well, one. If they have one, mm-hmm. it's Social Security. Social Security. Sure. That's it. That's, that's their plan.
1: Yeah. And you know, people would say, well, they can't afford it. Uh, but saving is a discipline, and it's amazing how much easier it is to do when you build it in and consider it a part of just like another bill that you have. And I know that's how you try to counsel people is to view it as exactly what it is, an investment. Like you have to pay for your electric, you have to pay for your gas, this, that, and the other. But there's going to be a big-time toll on the back end if you don't prioritize saving for retirement because now there are all kinds of things that we deal with later on in life that we didn't used to deal with, like end-of-life care and things like that.
2: Well, sometimes it's not a matter of when I say this, you need to start saving more. What people hear is, well, my life needs to get worse today so that it can be later tomorrow. And sometimes that's the case. But what I find is oftentimes people are simply unaware of where most of their dollars are going. Now, that could be as simple as saying unaware of what they're paying in taxes Mm -hmm. and how they might be able to influence that tax bill. Um, So maybe they're saving, but they're not saving into a 401K. Or they're not saving into their 401K and getting a match, even worse. Because I put in 3%, they match 3%. That's actually doubling my money right out of the gate. Or sometimes we have 75 different streaming services, and we didn't even know we had all of them because it's so easy to sign up for them and so difficult to get out of them, right? Yeah. So oftentimes through this process, and I'm not suggesting that we need to fine-tooth comb your entire spending habits, and I don't need to know, you know, how much beef you're <laughs> how much beef you're buying at the grocery store, but sometimes you can dramatically move that needle with very little to no pain. You just need to take the steps to actually do it, and life gets in the way. We all have busy lives. You got to set aside just a few hours to make a
1: difference. Yeah, Aptus Wealth Management will help you do those things. Again, they are fiduciaries, which means they are legally obligated to do what is best for you 614-917-1040 their number aptus wealth aptus AptusWealth.com is the website sign up become a subscriber to josh's youtube channel you'll get notified every time he posts new content these concepts like anything easiest to digest in small doses this show will replay tomorrow at noon so tell your friends about it share it with your friends you can always send us an email bruce at salemmedia.com if you have a financial question. Um, let's talk a little bit about found money. You alluded to it. I bet there are a lot of people who don't even look in a detailed way at their credit card statement every month. My wife is very uh, vigilant on that. But every month there's something on our credit card statement. Not that we get cheated on or whatever, but we just question. And sometimes just by making one phone call or something, you can save yourself $100. And imagine if you save yourself $100 and you – at age 25 started putting that away toward retirement, I mean, the power of compound interest is pretty amazing.
2: 100%. And also um, add into that, well, what if my credit score was better? Yeah, I might pay less for the same car just to pay my credit score. There's a bunch, there's a myriad of little, little things that when added together can make a big, big difference. You just, again, I can't emphasize enough, you got to take this step, just the first step, meet with somebody that knows what they're talking about, that has your best interests in mind by a fiduciary standard, and you can start making these incremental differences, but you just got to pick up the phone and start the process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. My wife and I did it. I highly recommend it for you. It is a way to educate yourself, and knowledge is power, and the more you know and the more you understand. I thought that stat that Josh threw out was very, very interesting. The number of people who met with a financial advisor, even if they didn't hire that advisor, became... Exponentially more likely to begin saving toward retirement. Why? Because they understand the necessity of it better after going in. We're going to talk about Social Security. We're going to talk about how you make the decision to retire, at what time you do that. We again encourage you to sign up for your free consultation with the Aptus team. 614 917 1040 is how you set that up. You can also set your appointment up online. Aptus Wealth, APTUS, Aptus Wealth. Com. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. Aptus is located in Lewis Center, Ohio, just off Route 750. It's a bit north of the 23270 interchange. And we will be talking today about planning for retirement or financial independence or at least growing the wealth that you have managed to accrue through your professional endeavors. Josh and his team help you with that by allowing you to come in for a free consultation. You can set up your appointment for that consultation by calling their office at 614-917-1040. You can also make your appointment for that at AptusWealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. And Josh, as we think about retirement, most people look forward to getting Maybe not their whole retirement, but at least a portion of their retirement from Social Security. So I want to talk about Social Security and where it fits into the retirement of most people as a piece of the puzzle, not the entire puzzle. But first, I just want to ask a real basic question, and that is, what determines when it is right for people to retire? We've got changes in the minimum required uh, distributions or minimum time you have to take it required, yeah, required minimum distributions from Social Security. They raised it from uh, 72 to 73, I think. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, you can take it now and get less, or you can wait and take it and get more. But I know it's an individual decision. But what kind of counsel do you give people when they say, how do I know when I'm ready to retire?
2: It is an individual decision, and large in part because your Social Security income is taxed, based upon your outside income and you incrementally get more and more on a monthly cash flow but cash flow basis based upon how long you wait. So let me give you some examples. If you take your Social Security at 62 and your full retirement age was let's just say 66, you would get 75% of whatever your 66 number would be. And then you fast forward and say, well what if I wait until 70? Well you get 132% of what your 66 number is. So 75 versus 32, we're talking about a very significant difference between the two. Mm-hmm. And there's some debate, obviously, we can dive into this deeper in a little bit maybe, but as to whether or not you know 67, which is now the full retirement age for everybody, is going to get pushed up or what we're going to do with Social Security. But if you look in general, uh, most people get 30 to 40% of their income in retirement from Social Security. That said, you had brought up minimum required distributions. That's a perfect question for when should I take my Social Security. If... You let's say you wanted to live on $4,000 a month mm-hmm. and Social Security was three of that. Well, then you only need an extra thousand bucks from outside income. Your taxes on Social Security might be zero based upon that number. Your taxes based upon your outside income might still be zero because none of your Social Security is going into the pot and then your standard deduction is picking up the rest of the slack. So theoretically, you could retire on forty, fifty thousand bucks a year paying zero income taxes. Mm-hmm. Now let's say that, well, that's all I need, but I have a million-dollar IRA. Definitely a first-world problem, but not an unusual one, believe it or not. So my house is paid off. My cars are paid off. I, you know, How much money do I need to spend to live on in retirement? So I have this $100,000 IRA. Well, as soon as I turn 72, 73, 74, depends on where you are on the spectrum on the now new Secure Act 2.0, minimum required distributions, the federal government says – You have now reached an age where you've been kicking a can on taxes on your 401k and your IRAs long enough. We want our money. Mm -hmm. So you're required to take out, let's just say roughly 4%. So now you have to take out 40,000. So now my outside income isn't 12,000. It's 40,000. Well, what did that do? Well, now I get taxed on the 40,000 because that's obviously above my standard deduction, but it also drug over up to 85% of my social security. So not only did I have to take 30 grand roughly that I didn't want to take, but it made my taxable income go from a whole lot of nothing to 60, 70,000 yeah. bucks a year? So the decision isn't, uh, unfortunately, isn't as simple as, well, I've done the math. And if I take it at 62, then my break even point is here based upon when I die, which most people have done that calculation. It's a little bit more involved in that. And how is when I take my social security going to impact my tax problem? And as we're looking at Social Security being a big problem moving forward, is is it solvent? Is it going to run out of money? What are we going to do with it? A lot of people are making that decision based upon, well, I'm just going to take it now before it runs out of gas. That might not be the best choice.
1: No, it might not. And I mean, this is not a flattering assessment of myself, but honestly, before I became a client of yours and before we started doing this show, I didn't realize how much an investment advisor is really, really, really savvy when it comes to tax planning. And I know that now because it's become such a huge part of what we talk about on the show. It's obviously a huge part of what you do. And uh, I would have just looked at, well, how long can I go without taking my Social Security? The longer I wait, the more I get. So I'm just going to wait as long as I can. But you're right. When you take certain distributions, Social Security, your own private savings or whatever, can determine so much how much you actually get to keep and how much you're going to have to give away. And you might be one of those things where I could see that I, before becoming a client of Aptus, could have put off my retirement thinking I was going to get a much bigger social security check. And I would have ended up giving more of that to the government through taxes than I would have if I had listened to your counsel on doing it in a way that minimizes, it's not like you're cheating on your taxes. You're just minimizing what you have to pay. It's all perfectly legal. Yeah. It, I mean, maybe, and everybody's situation
2: is different. You know, and I'll give you an example. I want everybody listening to just think about their own situation and how many of you are 74 years old, 75 years let's say 73, whatever the the number is, and you're philanthropic. So you give money to the church, you mm-hmm. give money to the United Way or St. Jude or any of the multiple charities. And what you do is every year you have Social Security, maybe you're one of the lucky few that has a pension, and then you're taking money out of your 401k or IRA. You get the money, you put it in your checking account, then you write a check back to the, your favorite charity. So did you get any tax benefit from that whatsoever? No, you can't write off your charitable contributions anymore unless you really have a lot of itemized deductions, which chances are by that point in your life, you probably don't. Mm-mm. Well, there's another way. You can do something called a qualified charitable contribution or a donation. So it's a QCD, QCC. I've seen it written both ways. Completely aligned in the tax code and the IRS that you can do. Just simply, you know, let's say you had an IRA with our office. You would call our office and say, I'd like to make a $5,000 donation to my church. Okay. So we just send the money directly from your IRA to the church. That qualifies as part of your minimum required distribution. It qualifies as any distribution you want it to be, but it's not a taxable event at all. It's like it never happened. So just multiply in my scenario that Mm -hmm. I just gave you. Let's say you're in the, between state and Fed, you're at 25% taxes, let's say. You just saved $1,250 on your contribution to your church, but you have to know the line in the tax code to do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were talking earlier about how do you move the needle on expenses without actually changing your lifestyle? Why well, just, in that example,
1: I just put a hundred bucks a month back into the, back into the kitty for yes, you to live on, right? sure did. Yeah. So taxes are very, very important. 614 917 1040 is Aptus's number at the office. That's where you can call to set up your free consultation with Josh and the Aptus team. You can also make your appointment online. AptusWealth, APTUS, aptuswealth.com. Office is located a bit north of 270 and 23. They do service a lot of clients remotely. So if you live out of the area, that's not a problem either. Right off Route 750, the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show airs at 7 o'clock Friday. At noon Saturday, and join Josh and me for Money Monday, Josh's segment on my radio show at nine eight nine The Answer Mondays at twelve thirty p.m. Okay, uh, let's chat a bit about Social Security. The assessment some people are making is that uh, I'll just retire later uh, in order to put off my benefits. Some people, like you said, are saying, "No, no, I'm afraid the system might run out. I'm going to take it right now." What kind of conversation might they be walk through with you when they come in for a free consultation as it relates to Social Security?
2: Yeah. I mean, my first question is going to be, what are your thoughts, right? What are you thinking and why? And then once we go through that, because some people have very passionate opinions, and I might not even know their family history of longevity yet. It depends mm-hmm. on where this comes up in conversation. But their their argument might be, I'm 62 years old. I'm retired. Nobody in my family has ever lived past 66 I'm collecting Social Security right now. How are you going to argue with that? Yeah. I mean, that can't, makes total no. sense, yeah. right? But if they say, well, I'm 62 now, I'm still working, I think Social Security is going to run out of gas. Everybody in my family lives till 90. Uh, well, there's a couple problems in that scenario. One, uh, you'd be better off waiting because, you know, in a wind tunnel, at least, if we ignore all your other assets, people who live till 90 are better off waiting because they collect more to Social Security. Mm hmm. Um, there could be a cash flow issue there, where we have to analyze how much cash flow do you actually need. So I'm making some assumptions in this conversation that you don't need the cash flow out of Social Security. You can determine when you want to take it because you have other outside assets. But then the other, you know, the the real logical question is, or the logical issue with that plan would be: you're 62, you're still working. There's income offsets. So you could go file for Social Security at 62, but if you're making $50,000 a year at your job, they're probably just going to take your Social Security rate back because there's actually income limitations prior to your full retirement age. So there's all these kind of moving parts that we tend to ignore, and it's really not that complicated. As I say this, it might come across as being complicated. There's three or four items that you really need to take a close look at, but the really hard part is then taking those three or four items and combining them with all of your other stuff And they are all moving independently. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't have a computer program to do that, it would be virtually impossible. But once you get that, the logical conclusion is clear. I mean, it's crystal clear. This is when I should take it. And, you know, as we look at Social Security, I think people are going to start making some pretty poor decisions. Um, And I think, you know, those poor decisions are because we're eyeing what our politicians are telling us about what they're going to do about Social Security. And unfortunately, my opinion on that is they're probably not going to do anything about it until they absolutely have to because it's kind of the political landmine nobody wants to step on right now on one hand you have we know that we're going to have to do something on the other hand we have a bunch of solutions that really don't move the needle but those solutions are dramatic enough that they're scary from a political perspective so for example what if we took the full retirement age to age 70 as opposed to age 67 where it is today and the argument would be well, back in 1983, we took it from 67 or 65 incrementally to 67, and we know people are living longer, so it should be an easy, easy answer. That doesn't solve the problem, just moving it to 70. That's right. kind of like peeing in the ocean. They're really not moving the needle a lot. But what politicians even going to do that?
1: I don't think any of them want to be attached to. And we see now just the way Social Security is used as a way to disparage one party over another. No, we're not going to reduce it. You're going to reduce it. It's the one, it's like the scarlet letter that nobody wants to be branded with. And what I find, Josh, is when I talk to people who are older than I am, who are nearing that decision about when to retire, is some of them are so emotional about Social Security. And I, because, and I think this is because you get the update from the Social Security Administration and you see that benefit out there that you're going to be getting by month and you are aware of the deduction on your paycheck when you look at your W-2 every year, and some people are just downright mad that I might have paid into this system and I might never get my money, and so the first time I can get my hands on that money, I'm going to take that money. So how do you talk people through a decision like that, get the emotion out of it, because a lot of the decisions, and a lot of the bad decisions we make in life are emotion-driven, not data-driven?
2: Yeah, so first step, Uh, in addressing emotions is at least look at the data at least look at it yeah you don't have to take the advice of the data but you got to look at it so what we'll do is we'll run the, the the completely encompassing financial plan which includes a whole host of things beyond just social security but we'll look at that and say okay if you take your social security at this age that's what maximizes the entire picture that's what leaves more money to your to your family members or your beneficiaries when you're gone from this earth It puts more stability back into your income generation while you're alive. It it is the perfect – it is the secret sauce of Mm -hmm. your financial plan is X age. And maybe that age is different for you and your spouse too. Maybe your spouse is going to start at 68 and you're going to start at 64. It could could be a, a, a myriad of different things. But let's talk about your fears in taking it at that point. And maybe their fears are so strong that it really doesn't matter. So it's my job to say that's fine. So here's what your picture looks like without it. And as long as you can still make it, then who cares? It's your decision to make. But where it becomes very, very challenging is if you don't wait, you're putting your retirement in jeopardy. So your emotions are getting in the way of your ability to survive. That's a much more difficult conversation and one that we just need to analyze what is the real risk here. Is there a real risk that once you start collecting social security somebody's going to come you know the government's going to come back and go <laughs> nice try and suck it back maybe but what is the likelihood of that happening
1: I don't think so what with the political damage that it would uh inflict on whoever was the party or the uh the legislator who was deemed to be responsible for it This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show we are with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management I'd encourage you to get with him my wife and I have we became Aptus clients after meeting with Josh and the team because A, we didn't feel pressured, B, we gained an understanding of where we were financially and the fact that we had a need to have a plan, a need to execute the plan, but mostly I would say because we understood the plan. And you referenced earlier, Josh, uh, the data and looking at it, you know, in a dispassionate, unemotional way. That was one of the things I found most helpful about meeting with you and having our consultation was that. You had a program that basically plotted which way we were headed if we did one thing, which way we were headed if we did another thing. So take people through a little bit about how the consultation works, what they can expect. And, um, you know, is it a one-time conversation, a two-time conversation, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah. So unfortunately, real financial planning does in fact take time. Um, And I think, you know, not all financial planners are created equal. You had mentioned earlier in the show that we do a lot of tax planning. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's consistent across the board. I would suggest that it's probably not. Everybody does their their plans their own way. Uh, but in our office, uh, first meeting is simply getting to know you and then building off of that based upon how you learn things. So for example, and this is all about a learning process, which you have alluded to many, mm-hmm. many times. If I'm speaking with an engineer whose hobby is analyzing mutual funds and stocks, I can have one conversation. If I'm dealing with uh, a welder who says i don't even handle our checkbook at home mm-hmm. that's a different conversation but the result can be the same so we learn a lot about people and where they've where they've been what they already know what assets they have what they're doing to save et cetera, et cetera. and then we learn you know all about their goals and those goals including the crazy ones right so you know i want to retire on the same level of income that i'm living on right now and i think i'll be happy okay great you know, I've always had a petant for living outside. I've always wanted to live outside the country. Well, that's an interesting goal. That changes mm-hmm. a whole bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my goal is really to pass 10 million bucks to my kids. Whatever that, that thing is, we want to find out all the goals. And then we kind of rank those goals from top to bottom. Now, unfortunately, um, hitting all of those goals takes time. Sure. Uh, you know, how to eat an elephant one bite at a time, mm-hmm. right? So the next meeting, we're going to start the process with analyzing what you're currently doing. What are you doing today? Is your arrow going to hit the target? What are some landmines on that kind of retirement or goal-oriented roadmap that would derail you from getting to where you want to go? And then from there, we will start to ask questions and start to educate further about what is risk? I think, you know, peripherally, we know that risk is uh, something that's bad. We want to minimize it. We know that. We know that the stock market has inherent risks. We know there's volatility in the stock market. We know that we could lose money in the stock market. That's terrifying. But really, what is the risk? Is risk really just relative to time? How do we measure risk? How do we – is there a way that we could limit that level of bounce? You know, I'm at a stage in my life now where I used to like those crazy loop-de-loop roller coasters, and now I'd <laughs> like to be, have, like, the more wooden roller coaster. Is there a way to do that without pulling so much off the table that I might as well just put it in a CD at the bank? And it's this education process, Right. And then in meeting number three, meeting number four, we start to kind of take bites out of those things. Here's the plan. Here's how we solve the problem. And, you know, throughout that, that two to three level meeting, maybe even to the fourth meeting, we have a pretty good handle as to whether or not we're a good fit for you and you're a good fit for us. But we can dive in deeper about how do we pick uh, investments or what are some strategies to minimize taxes. But in general, that's the broad brushstroke. breaststroke.
1: 614-917-1040. If you'd like to meet with the Aptus team to set up your free consultation, you can make your appointment online. Their website is Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, com. While you're on the site, I'd encourage you to become a subscriber to Josh's YouTube channel. He posts content on the YouTube channel in smaller doses than this particular show that runs an hour in length, Friday nights at 7, Saturdays at noon. That way you can share it with friends. You can stop it, pause it, take notes on it, rewatch it, Rewatching it probably ingrains what Josh is telling you in those segments a little bit better than if you just wash it one time. So you can accomplish a lot, not just set up your consultation, but become a subscriber at AptusWealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. You know, two words that you brought up in your last answer, risk and volatility, when you're talking about that with people when they come in for the consultation. I think people have this perception that risk and volatility are out of their control what I learned from sitting with you and from becoming a client is that you're not powerless in the management of risk and in the management of volatility. And that was enlightening for me because I just kind of thought, okay, great. I want to save. I know I need to save. I know I need a plan to save. But there are these boogeymen out here of risk and volatility. And uh, it's not that my plan is bad. It's not that I'm dumb in what I chose, but... Those things are beyond my control. There's nothing I can do to control those things. And you know, Please, Lord, don't let them bite me in the end. But what I found out is that risk and volatility can be managed. And that's, I think, what gave Sherry and I such peace of mind about becoming aptist clients.
2: Yeah, I mean, clearly you can't manage all volatility and get 100% of the reward with no downside risk whatsoever. However, That's are, called
1: fantasy right th- there. That would be that's great. What, that's, yeah. what, that's, what, that's what that's called.
2: And unfortunately, there's plenty of unscrupulous people out there that are selling that fantasy. Yes. But the reality is, uh, I think that most people view risk as, I'm either in the market or I'm out of the market, market scary, out of the market stupid. Yeah. And those are my two choices. Yeah. And there are so many shades of gray between those two endpoints that you can participate in should you choose that might be the perfect solution for you. Now, is there a perfect allocation for all of your goals? Of course. Does that mean that it's perfect for you? No. I have clients that have 100% of their money in the stock market, and I have clients that have 0% of their money in the stock market and everywhere in between. The critical thing in all of this is what will you utilize effectively, stay the course on, and accomplish your goals with? That answer for you might be, I'm not doing anything because I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. I'd be willing to save five hundred dollars a month or a thousand dollars a month to reach my goals if I knew that they actually hit my goals. Rather than somebody telling me, if you send if you save three hundred a month, you'll get to your goals, but you have to do this thing that terrifies the living hell out of you. Yeah. So, you know, everybody's solution is different and that's okay. But I think we all have preconceived notions of, you know, you go to the you go, you get your car worked on and your immediate inclination is this mechanic is gonna try and told me my headlight fluid is low and I need to pay it. And I don't know any better, right? So I'm just going to, every time you go, you're like, oh, here we go. Or, you know, I'm going to go to the dentist. I definitely have cavities. I'm going to go see my financial advisor, and he's just going to tell me I need
1: to save more money and be more aggressive than I want to be. That's just simply not the case. So how do you thread the needle between somebody who comes in with a very definite idea of what they want to do and your objective analysis, which is grounded – legally obligated to be in their best interest. And your analysis is different. What you'd recommend is different from what they want. You said earlier, after you meet with people a couple of times, that client may not be a fit for you. You may not be a fit for them. But I'm assuming there are a lot of times where you have clients who come in with a very definite idea of what they want. And you see a way that it might be a little different than what they want, but it's what you recommend. How do you thread that needle? Yeah, well, there's, there's two solutions to
2: that. Uh, one would be we come up with a happy compromise that continues to reach the goal that they want to get to. Mm-hmm. And my solution doesn't have to be the only solution. As long as we accomplish the end goal, then I'm okay with it. We can still work together. Mm-hmm. Where I can't work together is I want to put all of my money in one stock and shoot the lights out. And I want you to be a part of it. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. If I know that you're doing something entirely foolish and you're going off the rails and by foolish, I mean blatantly foolish or you have atrociously unreasonable expectations. You know, somebody comes in and says, you know, I'm not asking for much. I just want a guaranteed 3% per month. We're not the right fit. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I I want something for nothing. I want all of your advice, but I'm only willing to pay you $4 for it. That's just not a good fit. That's not who we are. But if you're looking for a trusted resource that has your best interests at heart, that has, you know, decades and decades of experience in both taxes, insurance, investment management at the institutional level, then we're probably a good fit for you.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly what happened with my wife and I. And, you know, look, I uh, when I was single before I was married, Sherry. I knew I needed to save, so I had a certain plan and I was executing the plan, but I knew I was leaving some on the table. And then when I married her, and true confession, she's a CPA, I was like, great, I can hand this off to her. Uh, she liked doing it. But what I didn't know was that it really made her nervous. And I understand it now in hindsight, looking at it like it's really important to get that piece right. You don't want to get to the end of your professional life and not have uh, the financial side of it taken care of. So, meeting with Josh and the Aptus team gave us great peace of mind. We are totally confident in what we're doing because we understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. That is what I would tell you you'll get out of your consultation with Aptus Wealth Management. 614 917 1040, com.